Sustainable, the podcast, is listened to in 20 countries over five continents and features inspiring interviews with leaders of sustainable practices. With your host, Tabby Jane, CEO and founder of EarthSelf, creating a global movement to educate leaders and organizations on the transformative power of nature-centered business. In episode 44, I had the second of our two-part series with renowned business strategist Mark Lefko. We spoke about why more businesses aren't embracing sustainability, what emerging business leaders can learn from top CEOs regarding sustainability and the key resources for people who are wanting to implement sustainability into the core of their organisation. Today, I'm speaking with Sophia de Meyer. Sophia de Meyer founded Opaline in 2009. Born and raised in Switzerland, she pursued her higher education in England, graduating with a law degree. She started her career as a corporate lawyer working for an international law firm in London, Milan and Chicago. After seven years at the service of multinational companies, she felt the urge to create her own company, focusing primarily on sustainable development. She started with WhitePod, an ecotourism concept located in Switzerland. Founded in 2004, this concept won the World Ecotourism Award and rapidly awoke the interest of a Swiss entrepreneur who took over in 2008. Today, it's in the context of Opaline, producer of Swiss fine juices, that she shares her experience. Opaline has recently been awarded the B Corps certification and the Swiss Ethical Prize for her efforts in sustainable and ethical development. Welcome, Sophia. It's great to have you on Sustainable Today. Hi, Tabby. Hi. So how do your products enhance Switzerland's agricultural heritage? I mean, what is the the heritage of, of Switzerland? Um, in Switzerland, we have uh, a lot of fruit farms. Um, we are uh, great producers of um, all sorts of different fruits, apples, pears, um, mainly apples and pears, then grapes, of course, um, quite a lot of grapes. And what happens, um, as I'm sure in many different countries of Europe, um, is that a lot of that um, farming, if we can uh, call it like this in English. In French, it's a culture, but I think it's farming. Farming in English um, goes to uh, your large supermarkets. Um, you know the ones that I always say win the beauty contest. The apple that's the perfect size and the perfect color, or the pear that's the perfect size and the perfect color. Um, and of course, what happens is that those that don't uh, match the beauty contest, um, but come from the same tree and have been grown with the same attention and and, and love from the farmers, um, well you know, they are destined to uh, go to waste, pretty much, um, unless um, concepts or projects like Opaline um, actually uh, takes them, buys them um, to make, we make juices, but other people make uh, jams, um, for example. And we actually then use what uh, the, the, the larger supermarkets don't want to use because they don't look so good, but they taste the same. Um, so this is how I think Opaline um, actually enhances, as you asked, the um, agricultural heritage. Um, another point that I, th- that I would like to share, because I think it's very important, um, is the fact that we press only fresh fruits, local fresh fruits. So what that means is we don't use concentrates. That's the first thing. Um, and because we don't use concentrates, of course, the fruit uh, taste 
the original fruit taste can be found in the bottle. Um, and it's a way to link back the people that drink the juice. I don't like to call them consumers because we're all humans, part of the same ecosystem. So we actually drink juice. Well, they actually drink a piece of nature. Um, and that's really what we wanted was to say, right, you can eat an apple. And when it's out of season, you can actually drink it in a juice. Uh, like our grandmothers used to do, you know, at the end of the harvest, they used to preserve their fruits doing all sorts of things, jams, syrups, juices. It was to be able to actually have them throughout the year and not let them go to waste and keep the natural taste. So that's one important point. And the other one, of course, is because we use local fruits, um, we actually are in direct contact, human contact with the farmers on a daily basis. Um, and if you look at the way the food industry has developed over the last 30, 40, 50 years, we keep on going um, forward and separating the people that produce the food from those that actually buy it. Because the distribution network is so complex that we've lost track of the face of the energy of the people that actually make it happen. Um, and so we wanted to keep that connection, to go and meet our farmers, discuss with them the different varieties of fruits that they had this year, how we could help them um, if they had a surplus of one variety of apple, to actually use them and see them being um, put to light, you know, being, being yeah, used in a big kitchen and, and beautiful juices being made out of them. So that, I think, are the three ways we actually try every day to honor the work of our farmers. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's really beautiful because, I mean, what you're saying there is, first of all, we're actually taking potential waste products that would just be discarded and not used because they, I, I loved your expression, don't meet the beauty contest. But we're we're helping bring back that, that times of, you know, begone in the past where fruit was preserved and it was looked after and it was there in the family kitchen for that entire season when it wasn't being produced. But having that direct contact as well with the farmers so that you're really finding out what do they what what's the crop that they've got what do they need and how can we take this so that we're basically utilizing what nature's given us to its fullest potential exactly yeah awesome exactly so then what do you do to pursue your projects in a conscientious way i mean obviously you have direct contact with the farmers and you only use local fruits but is there other other things that you take into consideration when you're producing the the, the fruit juices um, well, yes, there are other other aspects. One is uh, strictly on the production side, um, we obviously don't add anything to the juices. So um, it's only fresh fruits pressed. Um, no sugar added, no uh, preservatives, um, nothing at all. Um, which means, obviously, that we have to, um, if you look at the, the, the website or the different juices we offer, they're always a combination, apple and pear juice, for example. Um, and the reason for that is that working with different fruits allow us to keep a harmony um, in, a, in, in a good taste uh, of our juices with what nature offers us. Because one year, for example, you may have um, uh, the, the apples may come more acid because the sun wasn't there at the right time. Um, but the pear, on the other hand, are have more sugar, natural sugar. So we can work between varieties to make sure we still have a beautiful, nice juice, apple and pear juice, whilst uh, working with what nature has to offer. 
Um, and so in Switzerland, our juices are often compared to wine. Because people say with opaline, it's great. You know, it's natural because one apple pear of one month, pressed in one month, will not be the same as the one pressed two months later. It will still be good, but you will notice different subtilities in taste. Um, and that's how we make sure that we keep our vision of just using nature in a bottle. You know, just, just uh, so that on the production side, I think this is the most important thing because it requires a lot of time. It means we're there every time we produce, tasting, you know, the apple juice and the pear juice and making the right proportion on that day. Um, and if you look at the business on a purely financial basis, which we don't do, luckily, but they would call it madness because, because it's costly, you know, and the industry is not used to that. The industry has concentrate and they have simple recipes that they can turn over with the same taste year round. Um, so I think this leads to the, this is linked to our conscience. We, we are more conscious orientated than financial efficiency um, on the production side. And then, of course, on the other aspects, what do I do? Well, I have the, I have the privilege to be um, surrounded by people who share my vision um, and you know, you you may have days when you when you sort of you're a bit weaker <laughs> because of of market pressures of not really following your vision, and they're always there to let me know, um, and they help me. They really help me keep my vision or our shared vision today um, to where we want to go with with Opaline. Um, so that I think is very important um, to be surrounded by people who believe uh, in the same values. Um, and similarly, all the points of sale, I mean, we call the point of sale your local epicerie supermarket, you know, small, small structure, small shop uh, that is going to decide to have your juices. Well, by choosing the right people there as well, you just make sure that you're carried, your project is carried by, by them because they share the value and they're not on a financial discussion every day, but they're more happy to see you and think, hey, you know, how are the Swiss crops doing today? <laughs> Because we bring a different discourse, we bring a different um, a different talk to what they used to have. Um, so I think it's very important as well to be coherent all the way along the life of your product with people that believe in the same values, or if they don't, that are ready to listen to what you have to say and one day perhaps to believe yeah. in your vision. Yeah. Yeah, and I like that. And I mean, what, what what you're basically saying there is it's, it's, it's maintaining the integrity of your supply chain and making sure that it's not just your core team who share your vision, but everybody down the supply chain from the farmers to the people who buy the, you know, buy the juices from you to sell to them, that everybody has the same values and visions supporting the overall production of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, today we have a, a, over a thousand points of sale in Switzerland, um, it can be cafes, restaurants, you know, hospitals, schools, um, and we know them all. We really know them all. Um, you could tell me in Bern, name me five cafes. I can name you five cafes in the name of the people that work there, um, because that's what we believe in. We believe in knowing the people that every day work to propose a product with ethics. Um, and and that is that is key, as you say. It's it's really key. 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, and I think that's really, really beautiful, you know, because I mean, I'm I'm kind of wondering how many other organisations could say I know the name of every single, pro- you know, producer and supplier that is is involved within my business. And I can I can tell you the relationship that we have with all of them. Yes, that's it. That's exactly what we do. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I love it. And then you were you were mentioning how, how key it is to have the, the staff surrounding you who, who share your vision. So what practices do you have in place to support your staff so that they can give the best of themselves to the business? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> well, I think to, to start with, I when I started Opaline um, in, in 2009, I had this um, idea or objective to uh, not have a, a, a how, do you, how would you say it in English a hierarchy a hierarchy you know your a hierarchy with your yes boss. a hierarchy a hierarchy thank you um, and often we have this vision when you talk about management or staff you have your triangle and you have your shareholders at the top and then your CEO you know and your managers and then the employees um, and then at the bottom your suppliers um, and the bottom works to feed the top type of type of structure. Um, and the orders come from top to, to bottom. Um, I have always um, abided by a different vision. For me, it's a circle. For me, it's, a, it's an ecosystem. A company um, is, is, is a true ecosystem in the sense that there are no uh, higher people or lower people because everybody is essential to the balance of your ecosystem. And if everybody cares for the ecosystem, then the ecosystem is going to care for everybody. So Opaline for us is our mother nature in that sense. If we care for it in in balance and everybody brings in the best of what he can do, then we're going to get the best in return. So that's the vision. Now, in practice, how does it work? Well, we have no titles in the company, absolutely no titles. Um, When people wrote to me to join the company, I never had an interview I always said, well, this is my vision. You think you believe in what I do, come and join us. If in three months time you're happy and we're happy, then we carry on. And during those first three months, we talk about it. We see how we can adapt each other, how we can complement each other's talents. And that's what we've done with everybody. Um, And the result is, of course, that since the beginning, nobody's left the company. And we've had zero sick leave. And this is the amazing thing that, with Opaline that amazes a lot of people, but it's true. We've had one person go on maternity leave, which was fantastic. Um, But we had no sick leave because we also work with flex time. There are no controls on what time you start work and what time you leave work. We share our objectives at the beginning of the year. We say, okay, what do we want to achieve this year? Everybody has ideas. We put it all together and we call it our roadmap for the year. And then everybody goes out and contributes to getting there. Um, and, and, and now that we've done it for five years, people that join us today, because people now, there are more and more people writing to join the company here because we're B Corp and because people look for values. Um, our ecosystem, I, I feel, is so strong that automatically the people joining in are taken into the philosophy much faster than at the beginning and achieve results for the ecosystem much faster than the beginning. Um, so that's that's the way that the system, not me necessarily, but the whole Opaline energy or system actually supports the whole team, me included, um, and makes us want to give the best um, to the business because we feel so inspired by what we do. 
um, and this is detail, but it's an important detail. We've opened the capital of the company to anybody who was going to invest time because we thought if you're going to invest your time and you want to invest your money, then you're welcome to with no minimum. Um, and the result today is that 80% of the company is owned by those who work in it. And I've had people come with their savings, you know, just their savings to say, this is, this is all I have, but I want to put it into the company that I believe in. I mean, it's so inspiring in a way to think, wow, you know, what, what trust have those people put into, not me, but into the vision of a sustainable, um, sustainable economy. Yeah, it's 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 really really inspiring. I have to say. Yeah, it, it is really inspiring. I mean, I'm I'm just listening to you, and I, I absolutely love it. No interview process. Here's the vision. Come join me. Three months. We'll talk about it. See what we like. What do you want to contribute? And you know, the fact that you're saying zero sick leave. I mean, that the success of that speaks for itself. Like you have, from the sounds of it, employees that are a hundred percent engaged in what they do. Totally, 100% engaged. And they know that if tomorrow their kids are ill, you know, because we all have children and they have to stay at home, well, that is part of our vision, to find the balance between home and work. So they can stay home comfortably and look after their children. Um, because that's part of our business. That's part of our vision. So you don't have to call in sick and say, oh, you know, I don't feel good. No, you just have to say, today I have to stay with my children. And that's valued in itself. Um, so, yeah, that's how, that's how it's sort of evolved. And I think it's going to become stronger and stronger, as I was telling you, because now we're, you know, all of us having worked together for so many years can um, uh, contaminate, it's not the right term, but, you know, the newcomers... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I like it. Well, I, I use the word infect, which, you know, contaminate and effect have such negative connotations. But it's, 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 it's that same energy, you know, you want people to be enthused, you know, inspired, encouraged um, by what you're what you're doing and what you're sharing. And the culture that you seem to have created there is pretty awesome. They, they, yeah, we've created it as a group, I think, you know, I... I always like to think I'm, I'm not alone because I've learned so much through the people around me as well. They've, they've helped me progress immensely, mm. immensely. So it's really just the, the, the sense of community, I think, is, is what we need to say here. Is that that sense of community, when it, when, when, when it shares the same values, it can lift a project amazingly. I guess it's the same in politics or any other areas. When you have that sense of community that actually share your values... Or, or contribute to building new values together, it's, it's, it's an amazing source of energy. Amazing. Mm, definitely. So if there's people listening to this and they're really inspired by what you've been sharing, I mean, what resources would you rec recommend for people in businesses and organisations that wanted to create a similar culture as what you've done within Opaline? Um. <clears throat> I think two, two, two main recommendations. The first one is do go and have a look at the B Corp certification. Um, it's online. It's an online tool. So if you go to bcorp.org, um, it's an online tool. It's free of charge. And you can actually see the many different facets of, um, you know, they call it, a, a, I think it's a 
they don't call it a positive business, but it's using business as a force for good is the B Corp uh, vision. And so they give you all those different aspects of how a business can be used as a force for good, be it your internal management that we've just talked about, be it your suppliers, for us it's the fruits and the farmers, but it could be something else, um, or it could be your shareholder structure and how you actually divide your profit. There are so many different ways that you can look at it and it's all there online. And you can actually see as well, different companies in different countries, in different sectors, how they're performing. And you can compare yourself to them and see where you want to work, um, you know, what aspect you want to address. Um, so that would be my first recommendation. The second one would be talk to those who inspire you. Um, you're, you're, it could be a neighboring business. It could be someone, you know, at the other side of the world with Skype or anything. But the human connection is so important when you when you are inspired to bring a business to something that is more human, of course. <laughs> um, so I value the, the discussion more than any handbook um, that there is out there, which no doubt are very good. But I've always learned more by talking to people that yeah that inspire me whatever the sector they're in, because they always give you an idea. They always give you experience or share their experience that you can then use. So those would be my two recommendations. That's great. So then how has a focus on conscientious business and developing Opaline impacted the way that you now live your daily life then? Well, I think quite simply, before I started um, those businesses, when I was back working in, uh, in London, I had a working life uh, face or attitude and I had a home life <laughs> face or attitude and they were very different um, today I am the same person I can be the same person at work or at home um, so the impact is huge for me because it means I have no dividing lines you know I don't quit work at six to be a mother at seven no during my day I feel I'm being a mother because what I'm building is what I hope for my children to have later on as a business, as an economy. Mm. Um, and then when I'm home, of course, I've had such a good day, even if I've had trouble. I mean, I'm not idealizing. There are days where we think we are really hitting the, the, the you know, hell. <laughs> we're out of business. We, we're going we're gonna to fall. You know, it's not going to work. Uh, but still then, I can come home and feel that I've had of my day something that I felt positive, mm. you know, so I, I have no divides anymore. Yeah. That is the biggest impact. Mm -hmm. I like that. I mean, what, what you're saying there is just so awesome. It's that you're able to bring your whole person, every part of you into all areas of your life. Exactly. And who do you most admire then and why, Sophia? <sighs> this is probably the most difficult question. If, do you know everybody says that? <laughs> <laughs> because my list is huge. I am. I admire people. I love meeting people, and I think all of us have talent. Um, and 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 discovering individual talent to me is one of the greatest gifts in life. Um, but because I have to answer the question, um, let me tell you who I admire most these days. It's Michelle Obama. Mm. And you might be surprised because we're away from Switzerland and we're away from agriculture. But that woman has that immense source of energy of taking up a challenge like she's done as first lady, um, achieving what she's achieved with such humility and love to me is, is incredible. 
And so these days I am hooked on Michelle Obama's speeches. <laughs> I love listening to her. I wish I would still be able to, to listen to her and all the good things that she does um, because she's a real role model to me today, especially when I have to go and speak at conferences, much, much smaller, of course, and much more local. Um, these days I think about her before I have to take the stand and think, how can I be so, you know, as, as clear in my thoughts and as, as you know filled with love as I can perceive her to be when I listen to her yeah, yeah. no I love that and I I don't think we've 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 seen the last of the Obamas anyway I mean I, I watched something that they're they're setting up a project or a foundation and they're wanting people to to write in with ideas about what they want it to be so I'm excited to see what's going to come after the White House for them yes me too <laughs> me too so then, I mean, Opaline is very much a business that's inspired by nature and grounded in nature. But do you have a memory of a time or a place in nature that's special to you? And if so, why? Um, again, many, many, many memories because I, I, you know, I like to plunge myself into nature every time I can. Um, probably the most powerful memory I have um, was at the summit of the Mont Blanc. Um, the Mont Blanc is, is the highest summit, I believe, in Europe, but I'm not sure. In fact, I might be totally wrong, um, but it's a high summit, let's mm. say. I think it um, is. You think it is? I yes, think my, so. my culture on that is not very good, I, I must say. I never, I'm never into looking, you know, I'm not a competitor, <laughs> so I'm not going to say I've climbed a 4,000 or whatever it is. It's not my objective. But my objective was when I started the white pods, I could see the Mont Blanc every morning when I woke up to work and, you know, shovel snow and welcome my guests for breakfast. Um, and, a, and, a, and a mountain guide uh, who then became a friend, a friend of mine was working there to take our guests out in nature, uh, doing all sorts of activities. And one morning I said, you know, I love this mountain. And one day I'd love to climb it. And he said, okay, I will take you at the end of the season. And so this was my first mountain experience. Um, I followed my friend mountain guide at the top of the Mont Blanc. And believe me, it was a hard ascent for me. Uh, we started at one in the morning under the stars um, and I got to the summit at, I think it was 11 or 12 o'clock lunchtime the next day. Um, and, and it was powerful because it was such um, a pure environment, pure in terms of, you know, the air, of course, but also the snow was white. There was no human um, prints anywhere. Mm. It was pure silence. We did it in the winter with our skis. So we were, you know, going up on skins and then we skied down from the Mont Blanc to Chamonix. Um, and the way that I felt so free to be able to, with my own legs, you know, and skis, to discover places like this gave me such a sense of freedom um, and, and, and deep contentment to what, uh, to what nature had to offer. Um, and that's probably what inspires me every day in my business is I find so much inspiration in nature. I think there is so much power in there. If you look at it, it's got its ecosystem I was telling you about, mm. completely sorted, completely sorted. I mean, it recycles itself. Um, it's beautiful. It's harmonious. Come what may, rain, sun, whatever it is. And we have so much to learn from it. Um, because we tend to come in with more of our intellect and ego and suddenly we're in the battle of the best, you know, and, and we forget that if we just listen to our hearts, perhaps we could regenerate ourselves with much more simplicity and peace of mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, this is it. I mean, it's 
it's it's the exact same same thing that I say. You know, I mean, all we need to do is listen and listen and learn and observe from nature, and it can teach us everything that we, we need to know about living sustainably on the planet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I I like it because I mean what I'm I'm hearing you say is like this experience and this understanding of the cycles and the rhythm and the way that the the earth and nature functions is very much present in the work that you're doing. You know how you're talking about your work, how you're setting it up as an ecosystem where everybody's fulfilling their you know their niche or their role within the ecosystem. It's 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 the same that what happens you know within nature. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I have to be grateful to nature for inspiring me. You yeah. know, I haven't reinvented anything. I just copied <laughs> nature does, I do. <laughs> but do you know, I've, I've, I've said that as well. I mean, aside from EarthSelf, I have a, another um, company called The Nature Process and people go, wow, I never knew this was a process. I'm like, no, it's really just what happens when you're outside in nature. But, you know, I've just described it so that you can become aware of it and do more of it. And they're like, oh, yeah, that, that explains why I've been doing this for years and didn't know it. And it's like, yes, this is, you know, this is what's supposed to happen when we're in nature. Yeah, yeah so exactly. what is the one thing that you want people to take away from our conversation today, Sophia? Connect to your heart, I think. Really connect to your heart. I think we have been, um, we have been so used to uh, connecting to our mind to our intellectual mind, you know, to, to, to the head, um, university, school, interviews, whatever it is, we, we need to perform. Um, and so we've performed, of course, uh, and we've, we've performed and now we have Excel spreadsheets and all sorts of robotic support to help us be better. But there's one thing we forget is that the heart has its own intelligence. Um, and in that intelligence, there is so much source of inspiration for um, businesses that make sense, just natural sense, just, you know, sense for everybody who sustainability, because with the emotion and love comes respect, you know, comes the respect, comes thinking about your impact, thinking about your actions, saying, well, who am I? And, and what do I want to do really in this world or in my little world here? So I think connection to the heart would be my, my the most important thing that I always, always say. Besides, it's free. You know, people connect all the time, but it's it's expensive and it runs out of batteries and then you panic because, you, you know, you, you haven't got your internet connection. The heart <laughs> works 24, you know, it works 24-7, as we say. Yeah. And, 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 it's, and it's always there when you need it. Just, you know, people do yoga, meditation, whatever is your tool. My advice would be connect to your heart, not just at home. And when you're in love with, with your boyfriend, husband, vice versa, who cares? Also, when you're at work, with what you do at work. Absolutely. That would be uh, my utmost advice for today. I love that. What a great way to finish. Connect to your heart and make sure that everything that you do at work follows and comes from a place of, of connection to the heart. That's beautiful. Thank you, Sophia. With pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Tabby. If listening to the show has inspired you to find out more about nature-centred business, go to www.earthself.org and click on the Nature Centred tab. And as always, if you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, please get in touch. Next time on Sustainable, I'm speaking to marketing maverick Jo Cruikshanks about her work with her boutique agency Bear Collective and how it's not only helping to make marketing more sustainable, but how we can communicate purposeful stories that are both commercial 
and conscious. New episodes of Sustainable are released every Tuesday. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud. Get them sent straight to your inbox by signing up at www.earthself.org. Or come on over and join the conversation on our LinkedIn podcast page.